Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme Warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Today we have two guests that I'm really excited to talk with them about Lyme, Dr. Kristen Ryman and Dr. Christiane Hines. They are both MDs that have integrative medical practices in Pennsylvania. They are coming to us directly from COVID crisis in Atlanta, where they're treating patients at the convention center. We are going to talk to them about their personal experience with chronic Lyme, as well as the lessons they incorporated into their traditional family practices to now specialize in individuals with chronic autoimmune and inflammatory illnesses. You can find information about Dr. Ryman at kristinryimanmd.com and Dr. Christian Hines at redhillmedical.com. So let's dive right in. So we'll, we'll, maybe we should each start by introducing ourselves and sure. a little bit about our background. Do you want to go first, Christian? Sure. Um, my name is Christian Hines. I'm a family doctor, um, trained in family medicine, and then kind of had a... Um, interest in integrative medicine. Originally, I started off my career in medicine and nutrition, so was a dietitian for many years, um, working with food and wellness and um, kind of public health populations, and then went on to medical school and um, with an interest in family medicine, went to a family medicine residency, which is where I actually met Kristen, and then just continued more of my um, studying and interest into integrative medicine and have been practicing integrative holistic you know, family medicine for, I don't even know how many years now, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. 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 And Christian's actually the reason I ended up in the residency I landed in because she had done a part-time residency and that's what I was seeking to do as well. And so I remember a long conversation with her while she was on her farm, milking her goats, chickens running around. And I was like, oh my God, I need to be (laughs) friends with that woman. I'm totally going to that residency. (laughs) So did a, did, a, did my residency out in Pennsylvania and um, and ended up staying on as faculty there. Although I was very interested just from the beginning and doing things that were out of the box because I really wanted tools that work. You know, I really wanted to help people and have you know results and not just be putting band aids on people. So Chrisanne and I actually started um, an acupuncture group in the inner city. Both of us had been trained. Um, you trained after like sort of intermittently on in residency. We both sort of trained during our residency. During years, our residency years. Yeah. Um, in, with the Helms course. So we both know medical acupuncture. We were both working in this inner city together and we put together acupuncture groups and smoking cessation groups and tapping groups. And we had a blast and always really wanted, really wanted to work together. But our paths have sort of been these parallel paths of doing integrative holistic medicine since residency. And um, this is the first two weeks here that we've just spent um, working together on the front lines of the COVID crisis, which has been awesome. So yeah. we really finally are back kind of working as a team and it's together. Yeah. Really fun. Well, that's awesome. Maybe you can touch on that, the, the COVID. Do you want to touch on that now or should we talk on, touch about that later? Sure. We can touch on that now. So my, my main practice um, really, uh, what I do now is really informed by having gotten really sick from Lyme in 2012, 2012 and 2013. I lost 30 pounds. I couldn't pick up my infant. I lay in bed for five months. I mean, I was really, really sick. And as many of you and your listeners would know, you know, everything I learned in my residency in medical school kind of didn't prepare me for complex chronic Lyme because it's not really even considered a real thing, right? Um, and so I had to learn all that stuff on my own and, and from wonderful teachers in the Lyme world, like the ILADS people and Klinghardt and 
you know, Ann Corson and just a lot of people who are out of the box thinkers and, and actually getting results with Lyme patients. So I've been doing that for the last eight years. And what's been really staggering about this, this COVID thing for us and really validating, I think, for both of us is that all the tools that we try to empower our patients with now to help them recover from Lyme and other complex, chronic, kind of baffling mystery illnesses, um, things like diet and lifestyle, nutrition, you know, mindset, sleep, you know, getting out of mold, all those things are really hugely important for recovery, but they're also mandatory if you want your immune system to be functioning when, you know, coronaviruses come your way. So it's been really validating. We see these patients who are so sick, but the reason they're sicker than others who aren't hospitalized is because they've got these chronic inflammatory conditions at baseline, you know, from the way they live their lives. And it's been, it's been very sad, but also validating for our, our kind of chosen path, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I think what was interesting when we did show up, um, you know, this is very kind of allopathic, go back to your hospital roots type of medicine that we're doing, which was a little daunting because it's not really our wheelhouse. So we kind of had to remember like, oh, what are those drugs? Well, we don't really prescribe drugs anymore. Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are, what are those things? Like, oh, is there an app for that? Or how did you figure them out? <laughs> I've been asking a lot of questions. It's been yeah. like back to internship. Yeah, exactly. Thank God for the internet is all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Google it. Google helped my doctoring. Their <laughs> colleague. Their colleague, exactly. Um, um, surprisingly, it doesn't change all that much. Thankfully, thankfully, it's all it, the majority of it is all the same drugs and you know all the same indications. So fortunately, it was just kind of tapping into that again. But when um, people had found out that we came with this more integrated foundational health background, uh, they actually asked us to do a talk for all of the people who have also come to serve, all the providers, to just kind of talk about like what our take was on kind of COVID and integrated medicine and foundational health. So we put together this two-hour workshop for them. And all of it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. It doesn't change whatever illness you're talking about. You still go back to basics. You still go back to those foundational things. And it's these kind of five areas that become the most paramount and become critical in terms of maximizing and managing your immune system and managing your health. So it's diet, it's hydration, it's sleep, it's stress and mental health. And it is movement. Movement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, for diet, let's just talk about each of those individually quickly. So, diet, would you say it's like a keto, low sugar, low gluten, meat, no meat? Like, what what do you kind of typically so recommend? I think um, for starters, you know, right off the gate, right out of the gate, without any um, specializing in any of those realms, is really just a straight up um, anti-inflammatory food elimination type of diet. So start by getting all of the main inflammatory foods out of your diet so you can get to a baseline of where that is. I think many of us have food, hidden food allergies, and we're not even aware of them because we're so used to living at a certain baseline, it's become our norm. We don't have a reference to know how good we can feel because we are living in a different norm. And when you can take away some of those um, influences and those factors that are stimulating our immune system in a very low level, that we can't even you know, cognitively recognize. It's not like a runny nose or it's not like a hive. It's just that it's a chronic, you know, kind of low level inflammation that we can't discern until we actually remove that insult and are able to see what that would look like without it. So you know, 
this I'll kind of move over to Kristen because she actually has a whole program on um, offering an elimination diet program to people that's like online um, and available to patients with their families and the whole thing. So you can talk a little, yeah. little bit about your program, but yeah. that's like that in general, if we can get, that's the first step. So I kind, of, I kind of imagine, you know, kind of moving towards wellness is in as a layered approach, you know, like let's try to do these foundational health things first and let's see what we have left. Do you want to speak about? Mm -hmm. Well, just to, to, to finish that statement, I, I would also add that I don't even talk to my patients who have Lyme about antibiotics or herbs or oxidation or whatever therapy we're considering until they've healed the gut. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you come into my office with a chronic Lyme picture, which is more than six months of suffering, um, whether or not you called it Lyme six months ago or not, like if you've been suffering from inflammatory issues for more than six months and we don't heal the gut first, all bets are off and I'm not going to be able to get you better. You're not going to be able mm -hmm. to get yourself better in a, in, a, um, in a way that sticks until the gut is healed. How do you know when the gut's healed? Um, that's it's a little different for everybody, but generally speaking, people feel better. They have more energy, their skin clears up, you know, everything on the skin is a, is a mirror for what's going on in the gut. I mean, the gut and the skin come together at the anus and the mouth, although we don't, maybe we don't want to put those two words in the same sentence. <laughs> and now you all have a visual. Yeah. The, the skin is really the external gut. So if you have anything on the skin, like a rash or psoriasis, anything chronic or even new, you can assume that the gut is going, is going through a similar inflammation. So if, when the skin clears up, when the dark circles under the eyes disappear, when people start to sleep better, when they start to have less brain fog, I mean, it's a little bit dependent on what a person starts with. You can generally tell when people's symptoms start to peel away that the gut is healing. Um, and you know, the, the elimination diet, both of us use the foundation of it anyway, or the starter place is the, the elimination diet from the Institute for Functional Medicine. So you take out the top 10 allergens for 21 days. Some people have already done that and haven't had results. That's usually five or 10% of people don't get results by just doing that. And most people can, can start on that and actually see tremendous, um, shifts in their health. And it's only those like select people that then you have to get more personalized with kind of making those additional modifications or because there are new things that are introduced in our food chain um, because of the gluten-free movement and things like that. We ha have a lot more things like almond flour, almonds and things, coconut, those types of things I've actually seen. If you have a really inflamed gut, people will start to react to things that typically they thought were like, oh, I thought nuts were all healthy. Well, maybe not for you. You know what I mean? So it, it becomes a little bit more um, personalized and a sleuthing that kind of can go on. Mm -hmm. And allergies is actually another symptom that you have a leaky gut, you yeah. know, seasonal allergies as well as hyperreactivity to mosquito bites and fleas. Those things are all an indication that the immune system is a little bit out of whack, hyperreactive, aberrantly reactive. And th that all goes back to the gut. Okay. So I have a question, a personal question. I pretty much, I feel a thousand times better than I used to a year ago. My biggest symptom I still have is hives. I get random hives for no reason. It could be because I'm cold. When I wear workout pants, like tight workout pants, I wind up getting hives. Is that still like an allergy or is that like, is it Marcon's or whatever that's called? Or mast cell. No, it's mast cell. Mast cell. Maybe it's mast, it's cell. mast cell, but then I've taken two mast cell tests and that's come back negative. So it's like, maybe it's along what you guys talking about. Like maybe my gut's still not healed and that's just an indication of yeah. I mean, mast cells gotten a lot of attention recently and I'm glad it has because a lot of people suffer, you know, needlessly before they understand what's going on. But in my mind, it, you know, it, it goes in the context of this could just be leaky gut. 
and your immune system can be over in overdrive because there's so many things leaking in that aren't food into your bloodstream and creating that kind of overreaction. So in my mind, it always makes sense to start with healing the gut. And then if you haven't solved the problem, you dig a little bit deeper and you kind mm -hmm. of, as Christian was saying, you layer on other approaches and other therapies, but you start with a healed gut. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it took me a while. Like the first three years, I kind of was in denial. Like I still didn't want to give up my wine and my alcohol. Yeah. I didn't want to give yeah. up my coffee. I still thought I could get away with, you know, things here and there and like the sugar. And I think until I got real and realized, okay, I really need to clean this up is when it's totally started turning around for me. Yeah. And, and I find now I go, I go back and have bad days and I look back and I'm like, Ooh, I had some coffee or I had more sugar than I should have, or I had a glass of wine. It, it really sets me off now. And I just, unfortunate it's a new norm but it's i think for people i tell people like unless you're drinking a lot of water and you change your diet you're not getting better yeah yeah, yeah. and i will say something to that kind of that reactivity that you're experiencing now where you might um be exposed to something and then you have the next day is a little worse i think as you get further along in your healing process you will start to develop as that gut continues to heal and your overall immune system starts to settle you will begin to find that oh well maybe i can tolerate a piece of bread once a week and still do okay. That if you happen to have that exposure, you may not have that quite the same level of an extreme reaction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But so talk, talk also about, okay, so what's for the food? Talk about um, like the mold, because that's a huge part, I think, of this puzzle, right? And the yeah, sleep. Yeah. Like, what do you tell people to sleep? I know there's two different completely questions, but I feel like sleep was a big part until I started sleeping again. Yeah, so sleep is, part of, sleep is part of that five like foundational health pillars that we just talked about. So we just talked about nutrition. Sleep is another one. Um, and so sleep is absolutely critical for healing. I mean, there's no question that people have to be getting proper sleep. And so that kind of dives in a personal way down the rabbit hole to like, what's stopping you from sleeping? Is it difficulty getting to sleep? Do you have issues waking up at night? All of those are different indications of, you know, mm -hmm. interventions or ways that we can start to retrain the body to naturally find its sleep rhythm. Right. I think for like a lot of Lyme patients, at least for myself, my sleep, I have no problem falling asleep. It's like you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in so much pain. Like I used to just cry at night because I was in so much pain. I couldn't mm. sleep. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would think a lot of people are that way. And it's like, what, what do you get past? Like I remember one point the Lyme had hit, like, it's, you know, you have joint pains. It literally hit the joint, my mouth joint. And it was in my ear. I had the worst earache. I couldn't move my jaw. I literally couldn't open my mouth. And it stays that way for like two weeks until it moves to the next joint. And I finally went to like the walk-in clinic and the guy like gave, the doctor gave me some, I, I can't remember, some deep drug. And he's like, just sleep. I just want you to sleep and get the pain away. And after that, I had the like three best nights of sleep. The pain went away. I felt so, it's almost like I needed that heavy narcotic just to sleep, just to get the pain to go away. Um, yeah. But what other like natural things would you recommend for people? Like, is it melatonin? Is it um dealing with what like you're saying like emotional that's keeping you up or i can speak a little to that i used to have terrible pain too for, and when i was having my my second lime my second bout of lime which was sort of the near-death experience one i had pain down a static pain on my right side and it would shoot down into my foot and my calf and my anterior right leg was just so incredibly painful and numb and tingly and weird and i felt like a buzzing feeling in my foot i mean it was a terrible the whole right side was just like i wanted to like lop it off and Mm -hmm. you know, it, off. it was just so painful. And I found that wrapping a heating pad around my calf and foot, I had two different heating pads. I mean, I, I literally slept with a heating pad for two years. I mean, I, I had like a borderline inappropriate relationship with my heating pad. And I actually have continued that because I have a biomat, which 
<laughs> I have a bio mat too. I have a beamer mat I sleep on. Like I don't like lie on. Okay, funny you should mention yeah. that, Mimi, because we actually lugged down to, to Georgia where we are. We lugged down the bio mat in its big yeah. purple suitcase and a beamer that I rented. And we've been taking it with us to our, our night shift. Yeah. And, and lying on it. Away. We make a yeah. nest every night and try to sleep on it in between our shifts in the hot zone because absolutely feels so much better. I mean, I lie on that biomat and my whole, everything opens up and I'm like, ah, it's almost like a slug of morphine or something. It's just like, I'm in an opium den. So um, yeah, biomat for sure. So heat really helped. Sometimes a cold pack would help too. And I also, you know, when I was in the really thick of it, I sometimes had to take a narcotic to sleep at night because it was just that bad. I mean, ibuprofen did nothing. Tylenol did nothing. And it was so incredible. I think later on as I was, that, that whole episode moved me kind of away from the Western paradigm and into a, the more holistic paradigm that I operated now. So I was learning the tools that I now have. I wouldn't use that now. I would use heat and I would use Baluk you know, which is a, a, bi a biofilm breaker, an enzyme it's made from earth, you know, we call it ground up earthworms, it's lumbrokinase. And it's um, really good at kind of grinding through the biofilm that not only holds the infection and keeps it from, keeps your, you know, immune system and whatever remedies you're taking to kill the bugs from having access to those bugs, but it also opens up the blood vessels and the tissue so that things can flow again and bring in immune cells, bring in, you know, oxygen. It helps open up nutrition. oxygen. Yeah, nutrition. What was so, it called again? Baluk? Yeah, it's called Baluk. Canada RNA makes it, right? Mm -hmm. Canada yeah. RNA. And it's uh, lumbrokinase is the generic. There's actually a lot of good studies on it showing that it, um, that it can take down biofilm. And it's, it's a very underutilized tool that I think doctors would do well to learn about because it's in their literature. Yeah. They just, we don't learn, you know, it's not a drug that we learn about. Right. I, you know, I love to, I loved cabinase for the longest time. That's what I was using to sleep, cabinase, am I saying it yeah. correctly? Yeah. And then yeah. they took it off the market. You used to be able to get it at the pharmacy, the local pharmacy. And now that you just have cava, and then there was something in there that I guess was not okay for, for the CDC or whoever approves that. And so they took it off. And I remember just crying because I was like, my gosh, it's the only thing that's getting me to sleep. Um, and then so I was using CBD oil to sleep when CBD uh -huh. came out and that was helpful. But yeah. now I'm pretty much sleeping on my own, except for, you know, I wake up for a little bit, but it's not as bad. Yeah, um, that's good. And some people actually, we haven't talked about EMFs, but some people need to like break their circuit and have the whole mm -hmm. house go up, you know, seriously, like all the Wi-Fi and everything goes off while they sleep. It can make a difference for, for very sensitive people. Yeah. And then you mentioned melatonin. I think we should get back to that because that's actually one of the things that we're learning about in this whole COVID crisis can actually be really helpful. Yeah. Um, anti-inflammatory and can, and you, as you probably know, and your listeners probably know, like people are dying as a result of the inflammation in their body, not so much the virus itself, but what happens with the immune system creating a huge storm or cytokine storm around the virus and around the tissue damage it causes. And um, melatonin is able to, to decrease inflammation. Oh, it does. Okay. But then I read somewhere that the melatonin with the zinc helps the, together. I don't know if that was true or if I'm remembering correctly. There was something about zinc with the COVID. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So you want to get, you want to get our um, rundown on the supplements that we're finding helpful in this? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Especially for like the pay, but for, for people like you who are like try, trying to prevent it. Yeah. And yeah. then also for the people who are actually sick. Can I, can I just finish? Can I just follow up on the sleep thing? Just wrap yeah. that up and then we'll talk about COVID just because I feel like, you know, we had mentioned melatonin and we had mentioned like different stages of sleep and people waking up at different times during the night. And so typically I think of melatonin as being that type of a um, supplement or support to help get somebody to sleep, right? Melatonin is naturally produced in our, in our brain and our pineal gland. As things get dark, 
then melatonin is a hormone, it's released, and that helps make us sleepy and then we go to sleep. In the age of you know, constant screens and artificial lights and things like that, it becomes very difficult for people to self-regulate that in and of themselves. So getting somebody, you know, making sure that people are sleeping in a really dark room, you know, making sure that you're not doing the screens like two hours before you try to go to bed, like eliminate the screens. Or if you need to do it, make sure it has a filter on it to block out the, the blue light. So you're wearing like the, there are glasses that you can wear that can help block those rays out from your brain. So your brain doesn't think that it's being stimulated by the sun and, you know, allowing more cortisol to kind of come up. So that's like the role of melatonin in sleep. So typically I think of it as something to help people get to sleep. Staying asleep is like a whole nother ball of wax. So staying asleep gets into those things of like, number one, what's keeping you up? Is it pain? Is it, or are you waking up in kind of like a fight or flight? And that would be more of an adrenal situation mm -hmm. where you might get those big cortisol rushes at night. And I think oh, that that's that kind of wired and tired feeling that people can feel when they have like chronic illness where they're just like so exhausted, but they have this kind of like this like buzzing jittery thing. And so that requires being able to use specific herbal support around being able to block that cortisol response at night. So people actually can get sleep when your cortisol levels are up you can, you tend to be in the morning, like as soon as you wake up and your eyes open up, you get that sunlight in there and bang, like that cortisol will go up. So that's the spike. That's why people will say, okay, if you get up, you're going to have more energy in the morning because your cortisol will be higher. So trying to get back to those biorhythms and re-regulate those hormones becomes super critical for people who are chronically ill with, you know, mysterious illnesses and Lyme, because that resetting that rhythm to be normal is is paramount to them building upon that scaffolding to get healthier right right so. that kind of almost sounds like what i have and had where i get up at two to three and then i ha can't get back to bed it's like that yeah. fight or fight and i do have that buzzing feeling in my body where i feel like i've been plugged into a wall yeah i can't yeah. explain it to people but that's what it feels like people are like what does it feel yeah. like i might feel like my body was just plugged into a wall and there's like electricity going through my whole body hmm. I, one other thing I'll say, since you said two to three, the, you know, the liver time is 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. in Chinese medicine. Both of us are trained in, in acupuncture and Chinese medicine as well. And so it's, it's, it's also a, it's a useful clue mm -hmm. to, to ask, well, when are you waking up and when, when is your pain worse? And you can then address that organ, that organ of issue during its time. Um, and a lot of people wake up between one and three because a lot of people are super toxic and it's right. the liver's job to detoxify. So doing things that support that, making sure you're drinking, you know, at least half your body weight in water, sometimes more in ounces of water, rather, uh, making sure that you're, um, you're, you're pooping every day, making sure that you're eating foods that promote detoxification and the, and the you know, cytochrome P450 system, which are the little enzymes in your liver that biotransform and break down chemicals, even naturally made chemicals in your body like estrogens, making sure that's really lots of you know, leafy green vegetables and lots of brightly colored vegetables with all those phytonutrients. Sometimes a supplement like zinc you mentioned, um, those things all really support detoxification. You know, milk thistle is really great too. If you talk about herbs for the liver, um, What's another one we use? Dandelion root. Dandelion root. You know, so so you can Google, do a quick Google search for you know how to support my liver natural, and you'll find a bunch of things. And you know, most of those things are not going to harm you, and they're potentially helpful. So it's worth looking into um, how do you support your liver if you're waking mm -hmm. up between one and three, which is the most common time I think for people. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's really uh, useful information. Okay, so let's talk about the molds, I guess. Or is that what we're yeah. doing? I feel like we have so much to yeah. talk about. Ah. <laughs> There's a lot to cover, but mold is actually 
mold is worth getting to because it's a it's a really bad actor and one one out of four of us one out of i won't say us three but one out of four humans cannot process mold out of they cannot get it out of their body so they can get all whipped up into a frenzy and get inflamed about it which everybody does when a little bit of mold gets inhaled or ingested but they can't take the second step this the innate immune system doesn't convert into sort of a humoral response where they make an antibody clomp onto that piece of mold and then get it out of their body process it through the spleen or whatever and get rid of it they don't take that second step so mold toxin just accumulate 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 and that's 25 percent of people in my oh. practice it's more like 85% of people, yeah. because that's why they're in my practice. That's why they haven't gotten well from Lyme or they haven't gotten well from autism or whatever it is they come in with, because they are one of those, I would call them canaries in the coal mine and people who can't tolerate toxicity without getting severely ill from it. Right. Right. So is that mold like you're breathing in or is like, if you just happen to eat a moldy piece of bread, is that considered mold too? Or is it just primarily inhaling? I would say it's, I, I don't know the answer to that. So in my book, when in doubt, leave it out. Like I don't yeah. want to be breathing. I don't want to be touching. I don't want to be drinking it. I don't want to be eating it. You know, I have to tell people to, some people to stop taking in kombucha Yeah. because kombucha is, yeah, I can't you know, have that. yeah, yeah, there you go. Boom. So yeah. Now, how do you know if you're, how do you know if you're highly sensitive? Is that the MTHFR or is that something else? Is that, how do you know you can't process mold? So the MTHFR gene is a gene that really helps us identify people who maybe have difficulties with detoxification. So it's a way of us identifying like, are you a good detoxer or are you a bad detoxer? Detoxer. And one thing I will say is, for instance, like I'm I'm um, I'm homozygous for the MTHFR. I'm double homozygous. For Did which you know one? That? For the six, seven, yeah, six seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah, both of them. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Which means that I'm like eighty percent. I could potentially have an eighty percent decrease reduction. reduction in my ability to I detoxify. Too. Yeah. So compound heter compound heterozygous. That's what it is. Oh, that's me too. That's compound heterozygous. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. So I've got okay. like one good one, one bad that's one. That's me, me too. Yeah, look too. at us. We're gonna we can make a t-shirt. Let's make a t-shirt and we can wear it around. It's a club. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag shitty detox. Yeah. But let me just say this about the genetic stuff, because yeah. this is like one of my things. Patients come into me with like rings and rings and rings of paper and, oh, I have this and oh, I have this genetic thing and oh, I have that genetic thing. And, you know, it kind of goes on and on. And I say to them, look, you know what? This is just information. This does not mean that this is what is going on in your body. It's like going into a library and seeing books on a shelf. Just because the books are on the shelf does not mean they are on the library table with the book open and you're reading it. So okay. let's, you know, it can be helpful, but actually let's take a look at what your issues are and where we think there might be glitches and how do we support you through that? Where are, you know, where are the challenges? How do we support you? Let's not just revert back to like, oh, my genetic thing, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that's helpful Yeah. I because I also feel like it also creates a belief in somebody and then their, that belief creates, you know, it, that creates a whole nother paradigm of what they believe about their body. Right. Like they can't heal because they have this or right. fear right. of not being able to heal, heal. Okay. So tell me like now, if they went through the five pillars and you did everything like that, would you at any point give someone antibiotics? Or are you strictly at this point all about holistic? Absolutely. No, absolutely. We use, we use prescription medication all the time with our patients. Right. But the point is, is like we talked about this layering effect. So if you start at the root and at the base, the foundational health, there, you know, any amount of you know, prescription medication that we would be using, if we're not foundationally clean, 
we're not going to see the benefits that we know our patients can, we're not going to see the gains that we know they can achieve. And there's, there can be some harm. I mean, a Herxheimer in my book is simply didn't do enough detox before we started killing bugs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody should Herx. Like for God's sakes, you've suffered enough people. Right. And if, right? You're not, if your detox channels aren't open, you're not able to get exactly. out what you're killing or what. Yeah, what you're not able Herx, to process that. Herxing is another word for cytokine storm. It's another word for too much inflammation from all the die-off. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's make sure all those pathways are open. Um, you know, making sure everything is available so that the body has everything it needs to just get rid of the download of pathogens dying and toxins released as a result so that it doesn't feel worse in the process of killing them. Right, right. That makes sense. The dance, you know, you have to balance, yeah. you have to be balancing those things as you go. Right. So, okay. So out of like your um, patients that come to you, once you get that cleaned up, like what, I mean, just to give people hope, like what percentage actually get better and get their life back, even if it's a different life, like where they're not drinking, like me, like I have a new norm, but I'm happy and I'm able yeah. to be productive. Um, I don't think anybody can really get their life back to what it was before, because that's why they're in the position that they were in, right? There was a lot of stress, they were eating badly, they weren't taking care of their right. bodies, right? So it's yes. a new norm that we're all getting used to, which is probably a better norm anyway. That's yeah, a lot of new learnings. Right, but what percentage of those people can get back to that new norm where they're able to get out of bed and feel like they could contribute to the world and feel good about, and having the energy to get through the day, really? Well, I, I believe everyone okay. can get better. Yeah. Everyone can get yeah, better. Absolutely, absolutely. It may take, longer for some people and it may require um, more patience and more kind of trial and error to try to see like how do we continue to create this balance of foundational health with kind of balancing the immune system as we move forward to get you better but everybody can find everyone can find that again absolutely mm -hmm. and I, I think I think it you know you mentioned changes in lifestyle as part of the transformation but I think people need to sometimes hear that it's not just these sort of outward physical things that you have to do differently. Like you have to change as a person to get through this. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's a good thing. Like no one comes out the other side of this, like a worse version of themselves. Right. Okay. It's really like an, it's like a spiritual upleveling in my experience. I mean, the people who come through it really commit to sort of the deep inner work. Cause it's not just like not eating gluten and making sure you get sleep. It's like looking at your, your thoughts and looking at your behaviors towards yourself and, and how you interact with your environment and how you interact with your relationships. I mean, people have to get out of their toxic relationships and mm -hmm. learn to love themselves. I mean, that's the bottom line. You have to learn to love yourself in order to give yourself what you need to heal. And that, leads to healing, but it also leads to a totally transformed life because you're now moving through the world differently, loving yourself. Correct. Correct. And getting, making sure you spend the time to be like, look, if this isn't serving me, I need to remove yeah. it. If I'm not, if it's not bringing me joy, if it's bringing me frustration or unhappiness, I need to remove it and remove it. If it's something to do with work, if it's something to do with, you know, like you said, relationships, right? It's just reducing the stress and, and realizing that, yeah, you have to let that go. And it took me a little while to do that um, and not getting worked up. So easily, like, I used to get myself so worked up if I was 15 minutes late to something, right? Yeah. I would put myself in a tizzy over it. Um, and it's like, at this point, you just got to let it be. Like, it is what it is, you know? Um, but I think it, it took me a while to learn that as well. And then also embracing, and I would love to know your thoughts. I have done the emotional work where I've gone to shamans. I've mm -hmm. gone to Chinese healers that don't speak English that 
was able to like rub their hands together and create like something that I drink out of their hand, like in their hand is powder, like medicine. Like I've been to everything, like it's been crazy, but it's been a cool experience. I mean, at some point you just got to let it be like, okay, it must be true because I want to get better. But you're definitely, if you were to stop and you'd be like, wait, (laughs) I'm drinking something that some woman who doesn't, you know, only speaks Chinese and she's chanting and then she created it out of air. But yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I did it. <laughs> I do that. Well, I'll tell you what, Mimi. I tell my patients this too. You know, for every single thing I've ever heard of people trying for Lyme, and you can fill in the blank for you know autism or fibromyalgia, or whatever the chronic complex thing you can think of, there are people who will say that thing did nothing, and there are other people who will say that thing was the thing. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that that turned the table for me, or that was the thing that was the beginning of my journey out of this. And so for everything, I don't care if it's Rife machines or antibiotics or Jesus healings or some lady powdering her hands and puffing in your face. Like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> there's going to be someone who is like, that was the thing. And they know it in their bones that that was the thing. And it was the thing. I mean, there's not just one way to get well from these things. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I teach, and I, I write about this in my book too, is that, you know, complexity is the name of the game here. And complex problems don't have known solutions up front. You have to be willing to engage the problem and be willing to do little mini experiments on yourself that are hopefully safe to fail, like no one's going to die from the, from the powder, right? But uh, hopefully, you have to do a little bit of betting, right? You got to watch the last five people that took it and make sure no one died. But you, know, you have to be willing to try things out and then pay attention to how you feel and, and do whatever inner work you have to do to get rid of the fog in your brain and the negativity or the fear or whatever so that you can actually look at it with clear eyes and say, what did that thing do for me? Did I feel better? Maybe I do more of it. Did I feel worse? Maybe not again. Or maybe I need more detox. Did I feel nothing? Maybe I need to wait a little bit longer and see how it goes for a few months. So, And I think a lot of us do the cumulative too, right? You're not just doing one thing at a time. You're doing like, so it's a cumulative. So you don't know if it's like the cumulative effect and that last one was like the, you know, icing on the cake or was it that one thing? You know, it's kind of, so it's kind of hard. It is hard. Most of us aren't super scientific about it because we're desperate to feel better, you know, and we feel like, look, why not throw the kitchen sink at it? I was certainly that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so in retrospect, I can look back and say, that definitely didn't seem to help or that maybe hurt. And these things, this cluster of things together or maybe individually, but I don't know, all worked. Like that's what, that was my kind of ticket out. But I couldn't have known that in advance. And it would be different if I got Lyme again. You know, it would be a different set of things because I'll be different at that time too. But I also think that like, like what you said, listening to your body is important because I find now that when I do have, I can see myself starting to crash or have a couple of bad days. I now know, okay, look, I haven't been drinking enough water. I need to go on my sauna. I need to go on the beamer mat more. I need to take a hot bath with like, you know, with Epsom salt. Like I kind of have my tools now that I know how yeah. to get out. Yep. And I didn't get out within a couple hours or it might take me 24 mm-hmm. hours, but at least now I have the tools that gets me out of um, my nose, my, the nose dive I'm in. Exactly. And that's the goal. And that's what I want for all of the people who come to see me. I want to empower people. This is true for both of us. We want people to be empowered with the tools that they can dip into and do more of when they need them and less of when they don't think they do and live their lives. You know, um, we all have something. Lyme tends to be a particularly yucky chapter for a lot of people, but other people have different kinds of suffering. And if you have the tools, you feel more in control. You're not as traumatized by the experience and you're more resilient. Right, right. Now, can each of you, as we wrap up, can you each tell us, tell me about your practice or your book or the program that you offer online, just so if people want to come find you or if they're in Pennsylvania, not too far from you or to go or to read your book? Yeah, sure. So I can tell you, um, so I have a book that's called Life After Lyme, 
revive your inner rock star and achieve a full recovery that I think is, um, you know, marketed the line people because that's who calls me. But really, as my husband says, you should have written a book with a better title because it's really for everybody with a complex chronic illness or even people who just want to be healthy because it goes through all the things that you have to do to recover. And they're also, you know, magically the same things you should do to not get sick from COVID or to stay well and vibrant. So that's sounds like a sec- sounds like a second book coming. Just rename the title and <laughs> All right, yeah, did my husband get to you? Because <laughs> he's always telling me that. He's like, write your book again. Um, that's an ebook right now. You can get that on my website, which is kristenrymanmd.com. And then I also have online groups I run that are um, elimination diet groups. So I walk people through how to do a comprehensive elimination diet. And I provide support for six weeks through Zoom calls and email and Facebook. And we do, a, it's a really cozy little group. I've run it five times now. And it's always been a huge success. A lot of people are, finding kind of miraculous outcomes. Like one lady lost her glaucoma. Another lady lost her, uh, oh, everybody loses their IBS. Like it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It is amazing. And I forget how amazing it is when I'm doing it one-on-one because, you know, I'm in the room with one patient, but when you're doing it in a group and everyone's on Zoom, like Hollywood Squares and like, oh my God, you lost, what, what what happened? You don't have any more, you know, ulcers in your mouth. Like that's crazy. So people get to kind of feed off that excitement of watching people heal. So people can learn about that by getting, um, going to my website, getting on my newsletter. Every time I, you know, launch that again, I, I send it out to my peeps. Okay, great. So, um, I have a little bit more of a brick and mortar practice. So I have a, um, I have a, like I said, I have an integrative family medicine practice, um, that people come to see me mostly with chronic complex illness. Um, and my website is, my practice is called Red Hill Medical and the website is www.redhillmedical.com. Um, and I also have a ton of allergen free recipes on that website. I have a, um, I have a kitchen in my office. So, you know, because of my background in dietetics as a dietitian, you know, I have a really strong focus on, you know, food and recipes and lifestyle support around those types of things. So, um, that's great. Do you have to be local, like in person or do you have clients or patients that you see remotely? So one of the silver linings about COVID (laughs) (laughs) is that telemedicine is now broadly available, like across all states. So we actually have the opportunity to see people in other states that we didn't have. Normally we would have to have every single state um, to be able to like actually take them on as our patient. I didn't realize that, that 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 was what was holding that up. So is that going to go away or is that going to stay? I don't know. I, I think people are like loving the telemedicine option these yeah. days. That's what I hear, you know? Um, and it's really providing and allowing access to care in a way that it never has before. And insurance companies are starting to recognize it, which is great because the patient can get reimbursed for what typically they had never been able to be reimbursed for. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot that can happen just by being physically in a room with somebody, you know, that we really can gain a deeper understanding of their physical health. However, um, there's a lot you can get just over Zoom. You can just into, you can just intuit a lot mm-hmm. just by seeing somebody, you know, kind of getting the sense of like what their responses are, like what their engagement is. And that really tells you a lot about where they are in their illness and their So process. what town are you in? So I'm in a, I'm in a town called Oxville, Pennsylvania. It's okay. north of Philadelphia by like an hour and it's south of New York by an hour. Okay. So I, so I went to, I went to Lafayette in Eastern Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. No, 20 minutes from there. Right. 20. Right. Okay. Right down Excellent. the road. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful, it's a beautiful area. area. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey, so it's not that far from there. Oh, yeah. 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 Right there. Hi, neighbor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this is awesome. Is there anything that we left out? I feel like we covered a lot of ground. We did cover a lot. I think maybe the one thing I would say to people is that as crappy as this chapter of your life might be, it's still just a chapter. Mm -hmm. Like it's not you. It's not your whole life. You didn't do anything to deserve this. And you're going to be a, a, a more awesome version of yourself on the other side of this. And don't give up, give up hope because you know, there Absolutely. are people who are committing suicide not. over it or, you know, yeah, I've heard yeah. a couple of cases and you're just like, don't, don't like find whatever the reason is to stay alive and, and get through it. And yeah. know that you can get through it. There is hope. There really is hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I think, don't you have a chapter in your book about how to talk to your doctor? I do. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's super important. So Kristen in, in her book has a whole section in her book that really helps to guide and coach people on how to have, have conversations with their doctor where they feel like they're not getting their needs met or they're not being able to like get to the foundational bottom of like what's going on. And it's really helpful coaching tools in terms of how do you have those conversations? How can you get your, assemble your team? How can you feel like you have more people behind you to help you through this journey and get to the other side? So I found that super, okay, super really good. Yeah. This has yeah. been amazing. Thank you for doing this so last minute. And I'm so glad and so thankful for everything that you're doing down in Atlanta for COVID. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, Thank very you. admirable. Um, and for waking up to do this, this is amazing. And um, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, they've been doing the night shift for the last two weeks down in Atlanta at the convention center. So these guys are rock stars. Um, and, but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. And yeah, so nice to meet you, Amy. I could talk about this stuff all night, like, except I have my kids, like, wait, we're supposed to go for a walk. So I have to go, but I could literally stay here and talk for hours. I love this. But um, thank you so much. And have a safe trip home. Thanks. Thanks, Mimi. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Kristan and Kristen, for coming on today. That was so informative. To find more about Kristan, you can go to redhillmedical.com. And to find more about Kristen and download her ebook, you can go to kristinrymanmd.com. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook, and let's heal together. Thank you.